You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. How's everybody doing? Hey, we are so glad that you're here. So let me show you something that I did a while back on my Instagram account. I did a poll, and the poll was if you could pick a superpower, which would it be? Now, these are the options that I gave. Telepathy, make people do what you want. Time travel, go back in time and fix your mistakes. Know everything, human Google. And D, eat whatever you want without gaining weight. And so, and it's amazing. I mean, we had a ton of people that voted. And by the way, they're all good. One is best, but they're all good. Just so you guys know, the correct answer is eat whatever you want without gaining weight. Now, the only people that don't recognize that are people who already have this gift. I've also noted something that people who have this gift don't appreciate it. And your lack of recognition is why your friends secretly dislike you. So, just an FYI. So, now, not to call him out, but Pastor George, uh, who was leading us in worship earlier, he has that gift. And so, one time, so I, I helped this church out. <laughs> this is a couple years ago. I helped this church out with something. I mean, anyway, so... And then as a thank you, they came to Calvary the next day, and they brought three dozen donuts. And uh, there were like these super fancy donuts with like all kinds of stuff on them. And so, you know, as, like, as a thank you. And so everyone on staff is coming over, and they're eating like half a donut. And like, I got to log my calories. They're opening up my fitness pal, trying to log in. Like, where do you put like a donut with eight s'mores on it? You know what I mean? And they're trying to figure out. So try not to go overboard. Pastor George eats half a dozen donuts by himself, and then went to lunch. <laughs> FYI. The next day, we're all having this conversation. We're like, so what'd you get? I gained a pound. I gained two pounds. George comes in. He goes, man, it's so weird. Like, I lost three pounds yesterday. And uh, like, just saying that triggers me. Like, anyway, so, I'll t- <laughs> so anyway, you can think whatever you want about him later. Uh, but... So I'll tell you the one that received the lowest score is, uh, was number three, and that is know everything. I would think more people would be interested in knowing more. Not like, nah, I'm good. Whatever I've learned is fine. And uh, which, you know, knowing some people, I don't think so. Uh, but anyway, uh, the one that came in, uh, the next was, uh, or second, was telepathy, and that is make people do what you want. And uh, so if you think like Professor X from the X-Men uh, series, uh, that, 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 which by the way, that's like super helpful. I think that's my problem in the world is that people don't do what I tell them to do. Because I have, you think this too, but I think this as well. Like if everyone did what I told them to do, we would be living in a utopia. Unfortunately, we live in a dystopian society where nothing beautiful can live. And so anyway, um, that's why Coke Zero got taken away and they gave, gave us something else. And so anyway, that's a different sermon, but I'm getting to that one. And uh, so, but number one answer, right? Number one answer was time travel so I can go back and fix 
my mistakes. I mean, number one by a mile. Now, and because every single one of us, that's what we want. We have decisions, we have moments, we have words that we wish were different, and we would do anything to go back and change it. And, and here's what we say. We have this, and, and we say, you know, if I knew then what I know now, things would be different. You see, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have dated that person. I, I wouldn't have bought that stuff. I wouldn't have gone there. wouldn't have said that. wouldn't have done that. And, here, and here's why we say that, because there's an understanding that comes from being on the back end of an experience that you don't have on the front end. And it's why we do something, and then later we see with total clarity what should have been done. We call it experience. We can call it trial and error, but really, it's wisdom. Wisdom is the ability not just to have knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge to the right circumstance at the right time and know what to do. Now, here's why I tell you this. is because we started a series of teachings a couple of weeks ago. It's a book in the New Testament. It's a letter, but it's called 1 Corinthians. It's written by the Apostle Paul, which if you're not aware, the Apostle Paul was someone who persecuted Christians and then... Uh, through a whole, this amazing experience, became a Christian, and then not only became a Christian, but became kind of the spokesperson for the church and was planting churches everywhere. Well, he came to a city called Corinth, which is in southern Greece, and he planted this church. Well, there was this woman that he's friends with by the name of Chloe. Her family attended that church in Corinth, and her family writes Paul a letter and says, Paul, this church is totally out of control. And by the way, she was right because they had all kinds of problems, division, infighting, people getting drunk while they're taking communion. Like, dude, not cool. And uh, they were suing each other. I mean, it was a mess. And so Paul writes this letter to them with this overarching theme that a divided world needs a united church. And the key to being a united church is to have the mind of Christ. Now, what is that? When we talk about the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ is when you think about things the way Jesus thinks about things. It's knowing what God wants us to do and speaking in a way that's consistent with the character and nature of God. And what Paul is going to do, what he's going to explain to us is how wisdom is something that God gives to us when we walk with him and then and take him seriously enough to obey him. And this is huge for us because we live in a culture right now that has never had so much knowledge, but conversely has never had so little wisdom. And so every fact, stat, detail, and story is cataloged and ready for us to access at a moment's notice, right? You have more in your pocket on your phone than cultures had like the entire body of knowledge that an entire culture had, and it's totally accessible to us at a moment's notice, and yet we still as a culture, keep making the same poor choices that keep us from the life that God has for us. And so once again, what we're going to talk about, anybody who wants a better life, a better life for them, better life for their kids, a better life um, for their family, a better life for our culture. Listen, this is a message for all of us. And so he's going to start in chapter two of first Corinthians in verse six. And here's what we read. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For if they had known, 
they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, there's three things we're going to talk about when it comes to wisdom. But the first is this, is that God's wisdom is a gift to believers. It's a gift to believers. God's wisdom is something that God gladly gives to every believer. But God's wisdom isn't like a jacket that you put on and that's it. Instead, you got to think of God's wisdom more like a guitar. A guitar is finely tuned, it's multi-layered, and it's easy if you want to play something easy, and it's infinitely complex to those who want to play things that are more advanced. And so remember, the last time, if you were with us, Paul ends the message, kind of his crescendo is, he tells them that the wisdom of God is revealed in this idea of Jesus and him crucified. And so what he does in verse 6, he says, however, like in, in, in light of that, he tells us, he contrasts the, what the culture deems as wisdom with what Paul says God has revealed to us as wisdom, and he tells us that wisdom is a mystery. Now, when you think of a mystery, I don't want you to think of like, uh, you know, an M. Night Shyamalan movie or like Murder, She Wrote, which I don't know why. Uh, the show's like 30 years old. Does anybody remember Murder, She Wrote? Okay. Oh, wow. All right. You're my people then. Okay, good. So I watched that as a kid. And um, so anyway, but that's not what the, when the Bible talks about a mystery, that's not what it's referring to. The Bible, when it talks about a mystery or mysterion in, in the Greek language, it's referring to something that had been hidden, but now is revealed. And so what Solomon does, uh, uh, so just to kind of give us a little bit of background, when Paul talks about wisdom, he's really pulling from the Jewish idea of wisdom, which once again, if we're going to talk about the Jewish idea of wisdom, it really comes down to the book of Proverbs, which was written by King Solomon, the wisest man in all the world. And he defines what a wise person can do. And so you'll see it in Proverbs chapter one, verse two. He kind of gives us the overarching idea. He says, uh, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Now that word understanding is this idea, this Hebrew word, uh, bina, B-I-N-A, which means to notice differences. And that is sometimes what is wise and unwise can look very similar, but the wise person has an understanding to be able to tell the difference. Now, uh, how many of you? Uh, so, how many of you have seen the BBC show Sherlock? You've seen that? Well, some of you have homework. The, B, the show Sherlock is absolutely brilliant. And uh, now, but if you do watch it, watch it with subtitles because sometimes I don't think those Brits know that we're speaking the same language because I totally do not understand what's being said. So I watch it with subtitles. Anyway, Sherlock is my daughter, my, my daughter Mia, who's 14. It's her favorite show. And it really is. Uh, it's, a, it's a brilliant show. And you can walk, I can walk into my house at any given time and Sherlock can, could be playing. And, but the thing is, because of that, I've seen the episodes. And once again, in a season is three episodes. So just to give you, so I think all in all, like the whole run is like 10 episodes. And so, uh, but I've seen these episodes so many times that now I'm watching the episodes and I'm like, come on, man. Can't you see who the killer is already? Like, it's so obvious. Once again, because when you've seen it 10 times, you start noticing all the clues. And so, but the first time that I watched it, I was totally clueless and I got to the end and I was totally blown away. And by the way, I'm not one of those guys that figures stuff out like halfway through the movie. I'm the guy who like at the very end is like, oh, for real, it was him. 
I thought he was a nice guy, even though he was twirling his mustache the whole time, you know? Uh, and, and so my wife is the person, she's the smart one in our family. She's the one that 10 minutes into it, she figures it out. And she's like, didn't you realize the killer was the guy that was holding a Coke with his right hand and he was missing a finger? Like, what were you thinking? And I'm like, all I was thinking when I saw that was, man, I haven't had chicken fingers in weeks. <laughs> and, um, and so... <laughs> That's, that's fairly accurate. Uh, but see, this is what wisdom does when he talks about understanding. It's the ability. It gives us insight. This is what wisdom does. It gives us an insight about reality that most people don't see. And it allows us to see the outcome before it happens. And by the way, this isn't just some blanket gift. Like I said, it's not like a jacket that you put on. Instead, wisdom is something that we learn as we walk with God. And, and in contrast, what Paul does when he talks about this in, in verse 8, when he says uh, he contrasts the wisdom that God gives us and he, uh, compared to the wisdom of this world. This is the wisdom of this world lacked so much wisdom. He says that if they had any wisdom, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. The Messiah showed up and they were so foolish that they so lacked wisdom and insight that they killed him. Even the Jewish leaders who said, like, you, you, you don't understand the, 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 your scriptures. You so missed it that you crucified him. And why did they do that? Because Jesus was a threat to them. And do you know why sometimes we don't ask for wisdom if we're going to be honest? Is because sometimes asking God for wisdom is a threat to what we actually want to do. You see, and, and by the way, um, God invites us to ask for wisdom. In the book of James, Jesus' little brother writes these words. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all uh, liberally and without reproach or without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You see, God is willing to give us wisdom, but we have to be humble enough to ask. And by the way, Asking God for wisdom isn't so that we can take his wisdom under advisement. You see, if you and I ask God for wisdom, it's because we're going to do what God tells us to do no, no matter what he says. Because God does not reveal his will to us for our consideration, to give us information, or for us to just kind of contemplate. No, instead, he gives us his wisdom for the purpose of our participation. And when we do, when we do trust him, God has a way of making a way. God has a way of multiplying our efforts exponentially more than we could ever do ourselves. And it is amazing to me how often you see God's wisdom where, um, I, so my wife and I were at a restaurant uh, a while back and, uh, and this is a place we go to once in a while. And so we've gotten to know a couple of the servers there. And so my, uh, the server that was there, that we've gotten to know said, Hey, there's a guy that is a server here and he's, kind of struggling with something, and you came in, and um, me and one of the managers said, hey, you should, you should talk to Pastor Bob. He might be able to help you. And so anyway, he sits down and, um, and says, uh, hey, I was told you could help me. And I'll be honest with you. I was thinking I was told you could bring me my lunch, but and I didn't say that. I just was thinking that because that would be wrong, but I was just thinking it. But so anyway... So he tells me about an issue that's going on with, um, with his in-laws or something. Anyway, it's because, you know, as you know, some people have in-laws, other people have outlaws. And so, uh, <laughs> take that to the bank. And uh, so, so anyway, 
Uh, so he tells me the story of what's going on, and I just, I share two things from him. Uh, from, from, I just share two verses from Proverbs. I, I didn't even give it any commentary. I'm like, look, here, here's what you should think about. And I, I share two verses from Proverbs. I, I mean, he, next, uh, next time I go in, I'm, with, I'm meeting a pastor there, and uh, he sits down again. He's like, hey, I just want to, like, wow, okay, we're doing this. Uh, and so, and he's telling me, like, things have totally turned around, and he's so grateful. And he's like, man, you're just, you're really good at this. I'm like, dude, I just shared you two verses from the Bible. And he was like, for real? Like, stuff about in-laws is in the Bible? I'm like, well, it says love your enemies, but I don't know if that's the same, same concept. Uh, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Your, your in-laws are delightful. Uh, I'm talking about the people at the other service. Um, and so, but here's what happens. I mean, no, and it, he was so surprised. Here's what he's surprised by, that the Bible could be so relevant to the situation in which he was dealing with. Because listen, and this is the thing I tell you all the time, that the Bible, when properly taught, when, when properly understood, is a wisdom that our culture will never be able to figure out by itself. So he goes on in verse nine and he says this. He says, but as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that we have been freely given to us by God. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, that sounds a little, it's way easier than, to understand than it sounds because it sounds a little bit confusing. But the second thing for us to know is this, when we talk about wisdom, is that God's wisdom is the means to a better future. Now, the first verse that I read, verse 9, is quoted all the time in reference to heaven. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, hasn't entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, while that sentiment is probably true, that is not the context of that verse. The context of the verse is not talking about heaven. The context of the verse, because by the way, uh, the next verse says God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So if it's about heaven, then we'd kind of totally understand everything about it. But um, once again, the sentiment might be true, but the context is that God has revealed his wisdom to every believer so that we can know God's will and know God's heart because we have the mind of Christ. And what Paul is giving emphasis uh, with this illustration is that a person cannot know what another person is thinking except for that person. Only you know what you're really thinking. So if, and you know this to be the case. If you're married and you've ever asked your wife what's wrong, and she says, I'm fine, and you've wondered, I don't know if she's really telling the truth, then you testify to the reality of this verse, that you're like, only a person can really know what they're thinking. Now, conversely, Paul says, no one can know the mind of God except the Spirit of God. And that's why verse 12 says that God has given us his Spirit so that we can know the things that God has freely given to us, which is the wisdom of God. Now, this is important because every person falls into one of four categories because not everyone has a desire for wisdom. Everyone falls into a category. In Proverbs chapter 1, once again, let me give you 
the categories, there's them all here. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. She says, how long, simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Now, the, there's, there's four things here that, that wisdom is calling out and wisdom is calling out to the simple, the foolish, and the scorner. So let's, I want to walk through those real quickly to give you an idea of what God has given to us in his wisdom. The first is the simple person. The simple person is the naive person. This is the person who hears wisdom, the wisdom of God, and their response is this, that's never going to happen to me. I've got this. And the problem is experience would say otherwise. So let me give you an example. So the naive person uh, or the simple person walks onto a college campus on their first year of college, and they see an offer to get a free t-shirt if you apply for a credit card. And now every person over the age of 40, the hair on the back of your neck has just stood up. Why? Because you know that that's where a lifetime of debt begins. And so, but the simple person says, no, 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 I'm not getting into debt. I just want a t-shirt. And then $25,000 worth of debt later, you're like, that is the most expensive t-shirt a person could possibly buy. Why? And, And it's because it's unwise. But when you don't know, you don't know any better. And listen, being simple doesn't mean that you're dumb. Being simple means that you're inexperienced because you don't know any better yet. And that's why you sign up for the $20,000 t-shirt. And and Proverbs 14 says this, that the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Isn't that amazing? That the writer of Proverbs says that being wise or being simple is like being part of a family because there are certain things that you inherit because you're part of a family. In that culture, you became king because your father was king, right? You inherited the crown. And so Solomon says that wisdom and and simplicity can be the same. That those that you allow to be closest to you through influence and proximity have the most impact. And if the simple push wisdom away, here's what they inherit, foolishness. But if you seek wisdom out, it can turn a simple person into a king. Second thing. Second person that's mentioned is the foolish person. The foolish person is the unlearning person. The simple person is the one who said, I didn't know. The foolish person is the one who says, I don't care. And the the fool is the person who keeps repeating the same mistakes over and over because either they didn't remember or they didn't care about the consequences. And that's why uh, Proverbs 26 uh, says this, and it's also quoted in uh, First Peter, Peter, the disciple of Jesus, responds to it. And it says this, as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Now, vomiting has to be the worst feeling in the world. Um, and the reason that a person is vomiting is because your body is rejecting whatever it is that you tried to digest. A dog returns to its vomit because a dog is not wise enough to realize that their body has already rejected the thing that they're going back to. Now, and here's the challenge that many of us experience is that we make a decision, it's a disaster, and you know what? We all make mistakes. But now we have a decision to make. And that is, do we keep doing the same thing that's gotten us the terrible results, or do we change? And this is the challenge of the dog returning to its own vomit. Once again, 
Nothing wrong with eating something that makes you vomit outside of the fact that it's unpleasant. But what makes a person a fool is that they keep going back to the vomit thinking that it's still a good meal. And this is what the fool does over and over and over again. Uh, when my kids, a few years ago, when they were taking karate, there was, one day there was this guest sensei. And just an FYI, this is one of my favorite stories in all my life to tell because it is just the greatest. So there was this guest sensei, and, and uh, the sensei had these kids doing sp- uh, the sp- some sparring, and he's trying to explain to them the, the need to try to punch with real force. And so the sensei decides to use someone as an example, so he picks my daughter Mia. And he says, Mia, I want you to punch me in the face. And she says, uh, sensei, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not allowed to punch people in the face. And, uh, and he says, Mia, it's okay, I'm your teacher, I have a black belt, and I want you to punch me in the face. And so Mia goes to punch and stops about two inches short of his face. And, 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 and he says, no, Mia, you have to punch me in the face. And, and he, she says, I'm so sorry, sensei. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I, I just, I'm not allowed to punch people in the face. So he says, Mia, sit down. So then he gets my niece, Carrie, who's a year younger than Mia, who is also at the time a white belt and is, says to spar with him. And he says, okay, now Carrie, I want you to punch me in the face. And he had not finished the sentence where she says, bam, and she punches the man square in the nose. The guy was visibly stunned. All the parents clapped. It was this, it was incredible. And the, I mean, the guy, and he's like, uh, okay, uh, let's move on to something else. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. Now, here's, here's why I tell you this. Here's why I tell you this. The, the, there's a psalm, Psalm 119. is the longest psalm uh, in the Bible. Here's what it says. It says, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guides. Yes, I have more insight. That's the word, same word for understanding, bina, noticing differences. I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. Wisdom makes me decide to stop getting punched in the face because I can have greater wisdom than even my teachers. Fools keep doing the same thing, and they keep getting punched in the face over and over and experience the same consequences over and over, right? They keep dating the same type of person, and it's always a disaster. They keep spending money the same way, and it's always a disaster. They keep using the same destructive words in their relationship, and it causes them to fall apart. At some point, we've got to say, listen, this way isn't working. The third person is the scoffer. The scoffing person is the proud person. See, the, the scoffer isn't a foolish, is a foolish person um, who is, always thinks that they're right. And, uh, and they aren't just foolish. They're, they're foolish because they're condescending and they mock those who want to do what's right. And that, this is how bad the situation is with scoffers. This is in Proverbs 17. It says, he who begets or gives birth to a scoffer does to his own sorrow, and his father of a fool has no joy. And this is the thing that Solomon says, that if Solomon says scoffers are so annoying as people that even their parents don't like them because the scoffer is making their parents' life miserable. Because you know what? Uh, What is a parent trying to do in trying to give correction, right? Because every parent that I have ever known Their greatest desire is for their kids to have a better life than they lived. The scoffer can't see that because everything is an attack. 
That's why the scoffer brings problems wherever they go and destroy everything they touch because they can't imagine a world where they might be wrong. That's why Proverbs says this, that scoffers set a city aflame, but, wise, but the, wise, uh, the wise men turn away wrath. Last one, then we'll move on. And that is the wise person is the growing person. You see, if you correct a simple person, they won't get you. Correct a fool and they'll ignore you. Correct a scoffer and they'll ridicule you. But when you correct a wise person, they will thank you. That's why in Proverbs 28, it says, those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. God's wisdom was a mystery throughout the ages, but now God has revealed that wisdom to us through his spirit. So we don't have to be the simple one. We don't have to be the foolish one, and we certainly don't have to be the scoffing one. And then in verse 13, he says this. He says, but things we also, these things we also speak, not in words of man's wisdom, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, if you pause there and give me your attention, last thing I want to show you, and that is that God's wisdom is your invitation to be taught. I want you to notice that Paul says that the natural man or the person who isn't a believer doesn't understand the wisdom of God. It's foolishness. Why? Because only people who understand spiritual things value spiritual things. And I remember when I first became a Christian, and maybe you had this experience too if if you've been a believer for a little while, that my friends, when I became a Christian, and once again, I came out of a background where, you know, I was in bands, and so we were playing gigs and clubs all the time, and so that was kind of everyone I knew was in that world. But I became a Christian. My friends thought I was insane. And I... And at the time, I was still playing in a band, and then I was going to church on Sunday, and then I was going to church on Wednesday evening as well. And uh, any night I didn't have practice, I was just showing up randomly at the church to try to figure out what was there. And I remember one time I showed up, and they're like, well, there's a Bible study for women over 50. And I was like, that's cool. I'll hang out. And I sat in the back and took it in. And, uh, and so, but they would explain, like, what are you doing when you go to this church? And I'm like, dude, it's amazing. Like, we sing songs. And then uh, there's a message from the Bible. And then we pray. It's awesome. And, and they're like, that doesn't sound awesome. Uh, and, 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 they're, and, and I, they're like, and we don't understand how you feel like this is somehow changing your life. I mean, have you ever explained prayer to someone who isn't a Christian? They're like, like so what do you do? Well, I just talk to God. Huh. Does he talk back? Sometimes. Well, okay, we're going to get you fitted for one of those long white jackets, uh, the ones with the long sleeves. And, uh, and, and, and once again, they're like, so he talks audibly. No, he doesn't talk audibly. Uh, but, you know, God can communicate. And by the way, if you're not aware, every study shows that 93% of communication is nonverbal. And so um, God can lead us in a whole bunch of different ways without audibly speaking. But for some people, it's like, well, it's not really talking unless it's the 7% of uh, verbal communication. And once they don't get it, 
But see, when the simple truths of God's word are applied to our lives, they will transform us by the spirit of God working in us. So I want to tell you something, that if your friends and family don't get it, it's okay. They're not supposed to. And these verses teach us that unless they invite Jesus into their lives, they're going to look at you like you're completely insane uh, for following Jesus. And guess what? That's okay too. But when you start walking, and this is the important thing, when you start walking with God for a little while, you string together a few wise choices as God leads and directs you and God starts blessing your life, they're going to be back. And not to tell you that you're crazy, but to see if you can help them become more like you. But see, and that's when we can honestly say that it's not us because we aren't smart enough or powerful enough to transform our own lives. Instead, it is, as we read, the Spirit of God working in us to transform us. Because if you want to know what your life was like when you were running it, just binge watch a few episodes of your past before you came to know Jesus. And you'll be like, wow, that was me at the driver's seat. And, uh, and, and like, yeah, I don't want any part of that. And by the way, when he says in verse 15, when he says, but he who is spiritual judges all things, but yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, that doesn't mean that we're above criticism as Christians. What it means is that a person who isn't a believer can't judge a spiritual person, can't judge a believer because they don't value the things that we value. But when we have the mind of Christ, it means that we value the things that Jesus values. It means that we look at circumstances the way Jesus looks at circumstances. It means that we have the fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives. And it means that we're probably going to be misunderstood by people who don't know God. And guess what? Jesus was misunderstood too. The mind of Christ means we see life through a spiritual lens. And that colors everything. How we think. How we act. And how we even approach our difficulties. You see, I mean, what would your marriage look like if you really had the mind of Christ? You know what we'd do if we had the mind of Christ? We would be seeking ways to serve one another rather than get our own way. I mean, what would happen in our career if we had the mind of Christ? We would see the workplace not as the way to simply get ahead. No, no, no. We would see it as the opportunity to let our character shine so that those who are far from God would see what it looks like when someone at the same stage of life doing the same thing as them gave their life to Jesus. See, I mean, what would happen if you spent your money the way that, you know, if you had the mind of Christ? You know what would probably happen? You'd probably get out of debt. You'd probably be generous when you saw needs of the people around you. I mean, what would happen to your parenting if you said, I, I want to have the mind of Christ? Listen, you would do whatever it took to train your kids to walk with God, to train your kids to have the wisdom of God. My point is this, is that if you're a Christian, then you, have, you can have the mind of Christ because it's available to every person who's seeking God's wisdom. And this is why communion is such a powerful moment. Because it's our opportunity to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, and it creates a template of what it means to really love. It's our moment to give thanks for all that God has done for us, and it's our moment to invite God to do a deeper work in us. But see, communion, here's what it also does. It's, it reminds us of our past, and it reminds us of what Jesus did to deal with the past. 
that he intervened in our past to give us a, give us a future that was worth looking forward to. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and hand out the communion elements. And uh, Pastor George is going to lead us. And I'm going to invite you to hold on to the communion elements because we're going to partake of them together. So Pastor George. Down on my knees once again Needing your love again Desperately longing to be in your presence So remind me that you overcame Remind me that I'm not the same Cause you gave up everything Jesus, you took all my shame Oh my shame Because of the blood that was spilled You're not leaving me behind Conquered the cross meant to kill You're my Savior Jesus King forever Because of the blood that was First Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup together. And Lord, we want to thank you for your good work that you began. And your word says that the one who began a good work in us is going to complete it. So Lord, we pray that we would be a people of wisdom, that we would have your mind and your heart, that we might live the kind of life that is attractive to those who don't know you yet. And we're grateful for those before us who were living the kind of life that was attractive to us, that we might have inquired in the work that you were doing in them. So God, I pray that this would be our moment to really seek you and know you better and that you would do the work that you've, that you've promised to do, that you want to do in us and through us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. 
And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.